0: 24-hour <clears throat> party pee it's, uh, par- uh. it's
1: party people.
0: pee Well, hello there. Welcome to On The Beat the podcast that uncovers full frontal male nudity in cinema. My name is Laura, and I am joined by my co-host, Ryan. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I'm going to sing the entire
1: episode. No, don't. I'm going to sing it. Nope, don't do that. Yeah. That is a bad idea. We just need to get through this. I'm gonna like, sing it right now. Yeah, I feel like it feel like it's been. It's like how the Happy Mondays weren't able to record like an album. They took years to do it because they were too busy like taking drugs and partying and stuff.
0: We're gonna do this podcast with no lyrics.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no lyrics, no lyrics, and yeah, I don't know. The Happy Mondays are actually okay. I was gonna say no substance, but I guess we kind of have some substance. Yeah,
0: Kentucky Fried Chicken.
1: Yeah they, they, yeah, they like themselves a little bit of takeaway.
0: Um, well, I I have notes on that. I'm not going to bring it up just yet. But we are cool. uncovering the 2002 biographical comedy drama "24 Hour Party People." Yep, yep, that we are. It. Yeah, we're doing. I told one... you
1: I was going to do it. I well, did we're doing. Yeah, we're doing one of my favorite films. I and really like this film. We're doing like one like of my film. favorite actors. <laughs> we are. Yes. Yeah. Hooray! Before. Yeah. Well, before anyone gets too excited, that's not his. That we see, but yes, yeah, we do, uh, we do, this is, this stars Steve Coogan. Coogs,
0: big Coogs.
1: Playing the legendary Tony Wilson. Absolutely. Of uh, Granada fame.
0: <laughs> of Granada fame, okay. Uh Shirley Henderson's also in this film, Patty Considine, Andy Circus, Rob Brydon, Simon Pegg, Um, I mean, I could...
1: The list goes on. It's a
0: very, very long list of yeah. also cameos by many, many different musicians and Tony Wilson himself and yeah. uh, directed by Michael Winterbottom.
1: People who lived through the 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 Manchester musical movement of the 70s and the 80s. Um,
0: Madchester.
1: It was pretty mental. It was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, Manchester has, uh, has a reputation for producing quite uh, stellar musical talent um, over the decades. So, yeah. Yeah. And it is directed by Michael, Michael Winterbottom. Michael Before we Winterbottom. get
0: into that guy, I'm going to give you the synopsis.
2: Yeah. It's kind of
0: long. Ready? Okay. Manchester, 1976. Tony Wilson is an ambitious but frustrated local TV news reporter looking for a way to make his mark. After witnessing a life-changing concert by a band known as the Sex Pistols, he persuades his station to televise one of their performances, and soon, Manchester's punk groups are clamouring for him to manage them. Riding the wave of a musical revolution, Wilson and his friends create the legendary factory records label and the Hacienda Club. The tagline for this film is, share the ecstasy.
1: Nice. Yeah, that synopsis wasn't bad. Yeah. A it, little, yeah, but kind of. it starts off as if it's going to be like a tome, because the minute it says a place <laughs> in a year, you're like, oh,
0: fuck. It's gonna,
1: yeah, it's going to give you a place in a year later. Um, yeah. Um, so really, this is kind of like a pseudo-dramatization of the as close to true story of the Tony Wilson saga and his involvement in... The Manchester music scene, which basically kind of sees a whole bunch of groups and bands and things come from basically an an erupting kind of musical movement. So, you know, you'll see the Sex Pistols, Iggy Pop, the Buzzcocks, um, I think Susie and the Banshees, The Clash, uh, obviously Joy Division that then was Warsaw and then became New Order. And then obviously the the Happy Mondays. Um, there's a few bands and acts here that I'd never heard of before. What was that? What was that shitty band that they were? He was tanning their legs. Was that the- a
0: certain ratio? Certain
1: ratio, yeah. yeah. I I don't know if I've ever bothered with that.
0: It also mentions the Jerudy column, and I don't know who that is either.
1: No, no. I mean, well, there was also that that folky musician as well. That kind of keeps on coming back, like when God speaks to him at the end of the movie. He's like, he's ready for a best hot, like a greatest hits collection?" Oh yeah. <laughs> His music is easy to listen to, you know. See
0: Coogan as God.
1: Yes, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of Cooganisms in this, and certainly it, the film itself, and I feel I feel like it at its at its root, it's very organic. Which in part kind of makes it feel quite visceral and quite realistic. And it kind of doesn't have much of a preoccupation with style. Even though it has some relatively quite stylistic flourishes in it. Even though I think it's main main driving force is that it's it's shot relatively quite realistically because it's not... It, it's not intrusive, like, the directing style of it. Um,
0: yeah, Steve Coogan said that he never had to hit a mark or find a light. There was a lot of improvisation. The only people on set typically were, like, Michael, uh, the DOP, Robbie Mueller, the sound guy. Um, they would just huddle and move around the room, and he said he would frequently do scenes and not even know where the camera was.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't realize that Robbie Mueller had shot this until... I, I looked at, I think there was the making of, or there was the featurette that was kind of um, focused on Michael Winterbottom. But yeah, I mean, anyone who's familiar with anything that, I mean, we've spoken about Robbie Muller before when we did To to Live and Die in LA. But obviously he's worked with Wenders before. He did Paris Texas, Alice in the Cities, um, Breaking the Waves with uh, Lars von Trier. Yeah. Um, He also did Repo Man for, I think it's Alex Cox. Um and Ghost Dog, obviously, with Jim Jarmusch. So yeah, he's a pretty seasoned uh DOP um by this, this was, point.
0: This was his last feature film that he did.
1: Oh wow. Okay. Well yeah. then yeah, that's a shame. Um
0: <laughs> why because <laughs> he passed away? That's a shame, or is it a shame that this is his last film? It's a shame that particular? he It's a
1: shame that he passed away. But you know, he'd come into making this movie with obviously quite a quite an extensive legacy um no i just think it's i think it's interesting to kind of bring up because you wouldn't you wouldn't look at it and think wow robbie robbie Mueller shot this you know right. it has a it definitely has a, a very distinctive kind of look and feel and but yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't look at 24 hour party people and think it was a distinctive uh like robbie Mueller movie just by looking at it i think that's why i was kind of surprised that he he'd shot it Mm -hmm. and it's not a slight against it it's just that it's you know it's It's just different yeah the film does a really good job stylistically even though it's trying to not be stylistic you know by virtue of the fact that like it uses different cameras it's mostly handheld it's shot digitally and then it's post-processed which i think overall does a really good job of, of distillating the manchester music scene of the time like the energy, the color, the culture, which I think is particularly distinctive to that uh, musical movement. So,
0: yeah. So Steve Coogan read in a newspaper that Winterbottom was going to make a film about the Manchester music scene and that he was already cast to play Tony Wilson. But he hadn't. Michael Winterbottom hadn't asked him yet.
1: I mean, so he he called him and he goes, the best?
0: he's like, hey, i sorry, I hadn't got around to asking you yet. Will you do it?
1: Well, thank fuck he did. Like, yeah, yeah, he said no. Yeah, um, well, yeah, they're they're this was their first film together, right? Hmm. Um, and obviously, they've gone on. When I talk about obviously the filmography that they've got, like there's a lot that they've done. There's plenty of plenty of films that we've seen with them them in it, basically. They
0: did seven more projects together.
1: Yeah, and they continue to make projects together. So, Which
0: well, you haven't even... um I'm like skipping all the way through all my notes. So why don't you tell us about Michael? I will. Mr. Winterbottom.
1: So Mr. Winterbottom, uh, <laughs> Michael Winterbottom, he's an English film director. Um, he's had three films that have competed for The Palm Door. That's, including uh, this one. Including this one. So it was the other two were uh, Welcome to Sarajevo and Wonderland. Um, he got his start working in TV and I remember first seeing his name um, because he directed the Cracker pilot, the Jimmy McGovern series. Uh, he The pilot was uh, Mad Woman in the Attic. Um, I remember that being relatively quite, quite distinctive. His filmography is intimidating. <laughs>
2: um,
1: I did write them down. I think we are going to revisit Winterbottom at some point on the podcast um but part of me is like i can just do this once and i never have to do it again so Um, i'm
0: just gonna take a nap really quick while you do this
1: starting in 1989 we have rosie the great from tv we have forget about me in 1990 which was also for tv under the sun from 92 which is also tv love lies bleeding 93 that was also for tv which is also the name of a film that's coming out uh relatively quite soon with kirsten stewart Family from 1994, which was for TV, Butterfly Kiss, that was 94, Go Now from 95, Jude from 96, Welcome to Sarajevo, which is what I obviously pointed out earlier, which was in 97, I Want You from 98, Wonderland 1999, With or Without You from 99, The Claim from 2000, and then we have In This World 2002, Code 46 from 2003, Nine songs from two thousand and four, which wink, wink, might also be a film that we do or not do. Who knows? Um, The Road to Guantanamo from two thousand and six, A Mighty Heart from two thousand and seven. You know that Angelina Jolie movie? Yes. Um, Geneva two thousand and eight, A Shock Doctrine from two thousand nine, The Killer Inside Me two thousand ten, which is a movie we won't be doing. But I, I, I enjoyed that film. Well, I say enjoyed. Um, it, 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 it's a movie. Uh, The Trip from 2010, the TV version. I'd obviously recommend the TV version of any of those Trip uh, anthologies. Yeah, the
0: series are better. You get a lot more
1: jokes. Yes, because they kind of bastardized them when they brought them over to the US and kind of made them concise and to fit into movies. Uh, Trishna from 2011, Everyday 2012. The Look of Love from 2013, Trip to Italy from 2014, which was on TV, Face of an Angel 2014, Emperor's New Clothes 2015, On the Road 2016, Trip to Spain 2017, Wedding Guest 2013, oh wait, hold on, 2018, sorry, uh, Greed from 2019, which we saw in the cinema, and we, sure we did. hated.
0: I didn't like it very much.
1: No, we didn't like well, it Oh, maybe I'll watch all. it again,
0: because I love Steve.
1: Good luck with that. Trip to Greece from 2020. Isolation, 2021. 11 days in May, 2022. This England, which was 2022, and that was for TV. And then we have Shoshana in 2023. Did
0: you mention a cock and bull story? Um, You didn't. Probably not. 2005. Tristram Shandy.
1: It was the claim, then 24-hour party people in 2002. A cock and bull story from 2005. Okay, yeah
0: oh got it and then
1: yeah because my notes it's a long list but yeah there we go that's me
0: i love tristram shandy one of those like unfilmable books
1: yeah i don't know if i even said that either
0: you didn't i've been waiting because that's one of my favorites that watching that film we had it at hollywood video when i worked there and we had one copy and I looked at it, and I go, I don't know what this is. I picked it up, and that's how I got introduced to Alan Partridge. So, like, knowing me, knowing you, and stuff, they had okay. all of the commercials like at the beginning of the DVD. And I'm like, what is this? So, it's great. Big fan.
1: Yeah, because shan hold on. Oh, no, it was the Cock and Bull story.
0: In In, in the States, it was... Tristram Fristram, Shandy, Sandy, a, cock and a Cock and Bull Story.
1: Why did they say that? It's just, oh, it's just because it has cock in it? I don't know. Either way, I did I say, said, I said cock and bull story because that's what it was in the UK. But anyway, Yeah, that's really the title
0: matter. of the film. Perfect. It's like when they did uh, Alpha Papa and then it got brought to the States and it's Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa. Yeah. Because people didn't know. Not that that would help. If you don't know who Alan Partridge is, it's not going to help anyway. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay, That movie is very funny. So, Steve Coogan actually met Tony Wilson when he was around 10 years old. When he went to a party. Okay. Tony Wilson went to a party at Steve Coogan's house. Because his aunt was a makeup artist at Granada TV.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. The people you know.
0: And, yeah, so later on in, in, like, 1990, Steve Coogan was the resident funny man on one of his shows. Okay. And Steve said, I knew I could impersonate him, although I'd have to do more than that in the film. I had the rhythms of his speech. He would veer between being very northern working class and then very kind of, like, almost camp.
1: Right. Okay. So, Yeah yeah that that yeah that comes through. There's a lot of fourth wall breaking stuff in the movie as well. Yeah, um, it's very kind of self referential um, where it's kind of like the, the the footnotes like the cliff notes of of the Tony Wilson story just kind of reminding you that like hold on, this is actually Tony Wilson some like most of this is true but here just to make sure that we don't over exaggerate this is exactly what's what's happening here
0: and tony wilson said that a lot of stuff in the film is made up but michael winterbottom said that the only stuff they used is stuff that he told him (laughs) right okay uh, yeah
1: yeah, i mean it's fun i like yeah i like to take yeah, I don't know. Well, there's plenty of quotes. There's plenty of like uh pontificating and uh y- you know, like there's a lot of like hyper intellectualism kind of going on with this 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 at least this version of Tony Wilson. Um, you know, like the John Ford quote where it's like if you have the you have the choice between, you know, printing the printing the legend or printing the the truth. Then you print the legend because the legend is obviously more interesting. Yeah. Um. So that, and again, that's me paraphrasing that. Anyway, I think I butchered it, but
0: it was roundabout. Yeah,
1: but this covers this covers at least about fifteen years. Probably, yeah, probably less than fifteen years of this saga that Tony Wilson is involved in because for the most part Tony in the movie makes sure that it's not a story about him it's about it's a story of what happened in Manchester around that time that just happens to star him <laughs> for the most part yeah it's
0: also a lot about him that's the it's thing it
1: definitely is yeah and he's <laughs> he's at least his depiction in the film by Coogan is, he's, he's kind of, he's, in, he's incredibly charismatic and everybody likes him, but certainly you salt of the air, folks, like, you know, you've got Paddy Considine, you have Sean Ryder, you have Ian Curtis, you have, like, you have these characters obviously depicting people from real life, they can see through the, the veneer of what the Tony Wilson As you know, the TV personality, Tony Wilson.
0: Uh, Um, Peter Hook from New Order described the film as a film about the biggest cunt in Manchester played by the second biggest. Yeah,
1: yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. I mean, yeah, these are very, yeah, they're salt-of-the-earth individuals for the most part, like working-class families who have, uh, uh, you know, a penchant for this you know, this music, for music, for art, um, you know, and it's, it very much comes through in the music. It's just a shame that like these, these very creative individuals have to pay it up with someone like Tony Wilson, because he has the money, he has the the power to get them to where they need to be. Um, but I do, I do like the idea that we, you know, we watch the film and Tony is an onlooker, like he's your pathway into this world. Um, and it does hit a lot of the main marks without feeling too political, I guess. Because it does refer to a lot of, certainly a lot of the timestamps in the movie are referenced by moments in history. And I think the film is split into two halves by that point. It starts in 76 and effectively ends, let's see, what, 97 I think it is?
0: something like that when the
1: hacienda shuts down um so it starts with obviously the the birth of this character this Tony Wilson who's already quite a quite a you know he's quite a prominent TV figure very well known very very well liked um, and he decides to obviously enter the the Manchester music scene which is now at this point in the 70s starting to explode because punk has made it onto the scene. And then we effectively focus on his relationship to uh joy division.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's the beginning. Yeah. It it's like joy division is the beginning and then the end is happy Mondays, basically. Pretty much, right. yeah.
1: And the halfway point is pretty much Ian Curtis's suicide. Yes. And then we immediately there's a slight lull and then we immediately are introduced to the happy Mondays. So There
0: you go. Yeah. That's it? You wrapped it up?
1: Pretty much. That is my (laughs) summary of the movie. I hope you enjoyed it.
0: (laughs) So Mick Hucknall stopped speaking to Steve Coogan after the joke about (laughs) God calling his music rubbish.
1: Yeah. I I mean, it is, though. I mean, Simply Red just is not... It's just... It's not a good band. It's not a good group. (laughs) Like, they're just... They're not very good. Mick Hucknall's awful. Have you seen pictures of Mick Hucknall recently? He's got a gold tooth.
0: You did show me that recently. I don't know why that came up, but yeah, you did.
1: I was like, look at this. Look Look at this. this. Look at this. This mint. Like, whatever (laughs) he's trying to do. Um, He did that. He had that one song that was very popular in the 90s. And I I couldn't care less about Simply Red. So, yeah, I think if if Mick Hucknall, if you have an opportunity to excise Mick Hucknall from your life, you'd probably take it. Wow. Yeah.
0: He's not going to talk to you anymore either.
1: Oh, that's a real shame. I mean, not like he spoke to me before, it's true. but uh, yeah. Ruined. Well, it just means he's got no sense of humor. Like that's the problem there. <laughs> like that's what that comes across as. He has no sense of humor whatsoever. So
0: I have so many interesting facts.
1: Yeah, let's I just find get them into it. Yeah, because uh, I don't. I don't really want to go beat for beat in the movie. There's a lot of funny stuff in the film. Like certainly, a lot of my notes are basically like, um, <laughs>
2: Wasn't they're just this lines. Funny? <laughs> Wasn't <Yeah>. this funny? <laughs> Wasn't this
1: funny? You know. <laughs> He's like talking about Alice Cooper on uh, on his show, and he's like supposedly he'll be hanging a dwarf live on stage. There's a lot of reference to dwarfs in this movie that I found
0: because there's
1: there's the dwarf he's going to hang on stage. Alice Cooper, obviously. Um, there's the dwarf that he meets who's washing the elephants at Chester Zoo. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought there was another one. Is there not another one?
0: Not that I remember, but
1: yeah. I don't, well, uh, 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 his, how
0: detailed are your notes on that subject? I've
1: no idea, but but I do like one of my favorite bits in the movie, and it's completely innocuous. Is when they meet Peter Kay for the first time, and he's called I think it's at Don Don Tony, right? He's the guy who owns the initial club, which is what effectively becomes the first like Fac number one. I think yeah. it was Faco one, and he just he just points at the cleaning lady in the middle of dance floor, and he just goes margaret (laughs) and that's it um and for whatever reason that's uh that's it's so funny i did one of my favorite bits in the movie and then i guess we can kind of move on is like how the conversation as to how they come to the name factory Because it's such a legendary moment, because certainly in the Manchester music scene, like the factory and like, you know, factory records and uh, like the legacy of the Hacienda, that sort of thing. Like how innocuous it is that they come up with the name of factory and it's just like, yeah, just saw a sign that said factory closing. So we could just have something that says factory opening <laughs>
0: <laughs> the idea was that Tony would be a slightly unreliable narrator narrator which we've kind of already gone over mm-hmm. so the writer Frank Cottrell Boyce and Winterbottom kind of talked about the model being Tristram Shandy where you've got someone struggling to tell a story so I think that's kind of interesting how yeah. Tristram Shandy was maybe always something they wanted to deal with and then they ended up three years later actually making that film
1: yeah I think I like I like the fact that as much as this is grounded in reality, it's kind of like the, it's the story as told by Tony Wilson. And it's kind of, it's kind of quite fantastical as much as it is true and there are elements of it that are true. It's like the fantastic journey of Tony Wilson. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Because, yeah, as much as like he tries his best to detach himself from being a prominent player in this narrative, he is a prominent player in this narrative. Like, certain wheels do not turn, certain cogs do not turn, unless Tony Wilson is there yeah. to help them turn. And it's like, you know, Andy Circus is in the movie, and he's probably the standout role. In He's my amazing. opinion, as Martin Hennett, um, the 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 quote unquote genius, quote unquote music producer, um, who you know, when he dies, he, his body was so big that his his uh, coffin could not fit in the hole because the hole for the grave was not wide enough. <laughs> like he was too big for death. Um, like his standout He's so funny. moment, he is. He is incredible in the film, and obviously Paddy Considine doing his very best. Paddy Considine as the incredibly scary uh, manager or was manager of Joy Division then New Order, I think it was. Um, so
0: he's great. He's always great. They're all so young good. and cute. Yeah,
1: they are. They are incredibly young. And yeah, Christopher Eccleston's in it for like. Twenty seconds. He has like a quote that gets As, repeated later. The homeless
0: guy on the street. It's great.
1: Yeah, because yeah, because they do that whole thing where you know they reenact, you know, very prominent moments in Tony Wilson's career, mm-hmm. and kind of give them, I guess, a little bit more artistic weight. So, you know, Tony Wilson, Anthony Wilson used to used to present um, Wheel of Fortune in the UK, which is where I remember him from. I don't remember any of these other shows and stuff. I was far too young, um, but yeah, I do remember Wheel of Fortune. So a lot of these moments, like these, like these weird pieces that he gets sent to to do, like the elephant and the duck herding the sheep. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know why a duck? Um. And then obviously the. Is it, is it The the Crier? Is it The Crier? Is that the what they call them? The Town Crier. The Town Crier.
2: The Hang Glide. Um,
1: the hang, yeah, The Hang Glide. Yeah, and it's like the amount of artistic weight they put on these moments as well, which I find, I find very amusing. I do feel like a lot of the movie is a little fantastical purely on the basis so that people can find it funny because it's so ridiculous at points that it is just... It's just a bit barmy, for the it's most part. It's a
0: really fun way of doing a musical biopic, essentially. Yes. Just turning it around, kind of using Tony as a TV presenter and bringing that into the narrative and kind of using the film as, you know, he is the TV presenter of the film and yeah. kind of bringing us through. It's It's very... I love the moment later on where he... He's like, oh, did you notice that some of the real people we're talking about are actually in the film and then pointing them out yeah. <laughs> to us?
1: In, like, hidden roles. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the... I can't remember her name, but she... The the girl, the woman who's, like, the backing singer for the Happy Mondays mm-hmm. was actually the backing singer for the Happy Mondays. That's great. Um, And she reprises her real-life role in obviously the the recreation here um yeah i do i do like that effectively what 24 hour pe- party people is is if you've seen any kind of modern comedy show it kind of falls into a lot of the trappings of that it's like handheld camera mostly improvised and it's kind of it's kind of a little bit more ridiculous than you want it to be so it's not disagree. very much. It's kind of very much like well, I think it it falls into that camp, I think, like the thick of it or um or the office um or even even parts of Alan Partridge, like early Partridge. I think it falls squarely into that where it's mostly dialogue heavy and it's not particularly visual comedy.
0: Right, because they're playing it straight. Yes. Because you can't play it as a joke because that doesn't make sense. Yes. That's not funny.
1: So that's kind of where I kind of feel like it falls under. Because there's some weird stuff in this movie as well. You
0: Aliens know? and stuff?
1: Aliens turn up and like, <laughs> yeah, like, Sean Ryder has a vision and there's an alien. And the spacecraft has Bez on it. And then Bez shows up. And everyone's like, it's fucking Bez.
0: I was just thinking about Velvet Goldmine when that happened.
1: Yeah, but
0: yeah, spaceships.
1: This yeah, well, this film's better than Velvet Goldmine, but um, but yeah, they're, yeah. Different. they're different. They are different. They have their value. Yeah, this this yeah, this film just I have I'm a little bit closer to this. Yeah, film. you love this. The, you I love, love this, this film so much. Yeah.
0: Before we get into any other thing, I just want to say that they recreated the hacienda basically to scale. And one of Steve Coogan's first gigs was actually at the Hacienda in 1986, wow. where he opened for his brother's band. Oh, shit. And he said he got goosebumps when he walked in to that set for the first time, because it was just so perfect yeah. the way they had done it.
1: Well, it yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was torn down, right? Or it yes. was repurposed, because um, yeah, the end of the movie is when it, it gets repossessed, basically. Um,
0: Yeah, uh, Steve Coogan said that there was no legendary last night as depicted in the film. He got to do his climactic speech for that scene. Uh, They got it out of the way with a clear head and then he said he took half an E after. It was an immersive experience. Wow. And they weren't particularly well behaved.
1: All right. Well, Well, there you go. They partied. So that never happened.
0: Apparently not.
1: No, it just got repossessed and that was it. But
0: the actors did party.
1: Good. So a thousand Mancunians did not, uh, what was the line again? May, like a, may a thousand place? Mancunians bloom. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: so they did not bloom in real life, which is a shame.
0: That moment in the movie where Tony goes into the back of that shaggin' wagon. <laughs> who was he with? Do you remember? I don't know who that guy Peter was. It was Peter K. it was Peter K. Yeah, okay. was Peter K. There, he's getting a blowy from that prostitute.
1: Come in, love and his, you're not gonna come in and fuck off yeah
0: i just love when shirley henderson like his wife uh tony's wife yeah opens the back of the van and she just laughs she's like what are you doing what Tony? are you doing Tony? what are you doing Tony,
1: what are you doing and
0: then she leaves and he just finishes getting his blowjob yeah so
1: All right, he well might he as didn't, well yeah he didn't want to be left where half chubby that's when you get blue balls and then you you're your nuts fall off, and then That's she goes
0: and sleeps with the Buzzcocks singer, right? Howard, Howard DeVoto, <laughs> and he goes, "I only got a blowjob. That's full penetration."
1: Yeah, I like that. And then Howard's the bathroom attendant, like the real life Howard. Yeah. and he's like, "I don't remember this ever happening." <laughs> So, I do yeah, there's little moments like that where I'm I'm like, yeah, you know what, like this is perfectly fine. There's a there's a um we have the the special edition DVD, which is the two disc from god knows how long ago that was released when I picked it up, but it has a visual commentary of many of the original players watching the movie. We didn't watch the it all the way through of the musician, yeah, the musicians like the primary players in the actual real life story who are sitting and watching the movie, um so I would be interested to watch that all the way through. it just yeah, it feels like yeah we weren't prepared to watch the film twice not
0: today, <laughs> not, today.
1: Not, today. not today um but yeah, certainly that certainly looks like it's uh it's interesting
0: I'm sure you get a lot of truths a lot of secret truths
1: or, or not yeah or no <laughs> truths yeah they'll just be like nope I don't need to talk about this because the only other thing I would like to say about the movie before we probably move on is I think that sequence where um, they record she's lost control I think is incredibly magical I think it's great the drummer's on the roof and he's only got a snare and a bass drum and that's it
0: he goes am <laughs> I supposed to know when to stop and Andy Circus goes, you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> and he's up there all night, <laughs> drumming all night long.
1: We've got a rattle, there's a rattle, there's a rattle in the drum kit. And they're like, how long is that going to take? He's like, I don't know. He's like, do I still have to pay? And it's like, well, I'm still working, are I?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: 50 pounds an hour. 50 pounds an hour. He was a genius, though. <laughs>
0: I'm ready to talk about that penis scene. Oh, yeah. Well, there's two. The first one. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, I don't have any more songs. An hour, 11 minutes, 17 seconds. We're on the Happy Mondays tour bus. We're watching porn on the bus with best friends.
1: It's like a tour <laughs> montage going from location <laughs> to location, and we get to see. Yeah, the Happy Mondays bus is like a party bus. It's like we're, the Venga bus.
0: We're the, the yeah. Venga bus is coming, and, and everybody's run, coming, and, and then, then you're
1: gonna come now. You're coming, and you're coming. <laughs> come, 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 come.
0: This bus uh, is really sticky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You run I'm up. so sorry. Yeah,
1: sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um. That bus yeah. is
0: very sticky. It yes. looks really gross and smelly
1: yeah well yeah Rowetta's Rowetta's there and and the the rider dad I can't remember what you say the 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 father rider, let's say is just like take the porn off it's not suitable for the lady and Rowetta who's playing herself is like no I think I've seen this one before
0: <laughs> um uh, yeah and then you see Paul Rider. yes played by Paul Pupperwell must be easy from for him.
1: As yeah. A call. Well, he's Porky Piggin' it.
0: He's fully Porky Piggin' it. <laughs> T-shirt, no bottoms.
1: Yeah. Just penis round. out. Yeah.
0: Just Porky Pig, full on show for everybody on the bus. Yeah. Um. He's kissing butts.
1: He's kissing like
0: in thongs, lady
1: butts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> encased in thongs, mm-hmm. kissing butts and doing drugs.
1: Yeah, because yeah, you end up seeing, you end up seeing some. Like the the some vagina as well.
0: You sure do. Yeah,
1: it's a Full real Brazilian. It's a real part, but yeah. Well, these I don't know what these ladies are. I don't know. No,
0: they're having a nice time. They're
1: having. They're on having. On the tour bus, they're having fun with the writer boys. Um, and <laughs> the Ryder dies. Yeah, writer dies. Um, yeah.
0: It's. I don't know why he doesn't have any pants on. It's well, has been fine. He's yeah. just. Enjoying the company of his friends and family.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know how I. Would, yeah, I don't have that kind of relationship with my family. No, to where I would feel comfortable pulling out my penis. Which no. I, you know, if I was a man that had a penis, I yes.
1: Don't, just for the record, you don't have a penis. It's a real um, shame. I think yeah. I
0: definitely, maybe in a past life, you know,
1: potentially. Yeah, you know, potentially. You never know, yeah, but again, yeah, you I never. I do not know.
0: have one right now. And that's a it's a real shame.
1: Not really. But anyway.
0: Penis envy.
1: Let's let's continue on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's that is that. It is uh yeah, it's a little turbo. Turbos, turbos.
0: It's a turbo boss. It's
1: a turbo boss montage. <laughs> a
0: turbo boss yeah. pants. Um, not too long after that initial scene, which I totally forgot about this one. There's another penis scene in an hour, 29 minutes, and 40 seconds with the yeah. other writer, Sean Ryder.
1: Yeah. Played so, by
0: Danny Cunningham.
1: Yeah. So we, yeah. So some stuff's happened. So they've released, obviously, they've been gone tour. Like the Happy Mondays is, as a band, they are one of the sole contributors to keeping the Hesienda, like the Hesienda and like Factory Records afloat. The problem is, is that they are they're incredibly spotty and i guess a little like it's carnage trying to get them to make music and their managers like enabling them and just kind of you know sean ryder's doing heroin he's also doing methadone and then they want to go to ibiza to record this album they want to go to the bahamas to record this album all this sort of thing that was the
0: thing about the kfc joke Yes. That they were making because KFC was their code word for going to get drugs. Yes. In real life. So there's like that shot of them walking down the street with buckets of chicken. They're like, chicken, hooray. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's basically a joke about them doing drugs. Yes. Which is funny because they do a bunch of drugs in the film, but I love that they also get chicken.
1: So this one moment that happens in the film, which again is kind of, you know, it's incredibly kind of you know, it's a little bit silly yes um, but they've gone i think they've gone to the bahamas they're
0: in barbados
1: fact yeah barbados they've they ha, like factory records has no more money and now that they have no more money they're not able to buy drugs so they sell all of the equipment and the furniture and then they sell their clothes <laughs> and then and then there's a shot of sean Ryder on this tiny little island And a title comes up called The Misadventures of Riderson Cruise. Caruso. Oh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) The Misadventures of Riderson Crusoe.
0: You know, Robinson (laughs) Crusoe.
1: Yeah, I know, I'm sorry. I thought it said cruise.
0: (laughs) Riders Cruise. No, no. Yeah, anyway. It's on
1: the island. It's one shot.
0: And Sean Ryder is out on... You know, he, he says, oh, I'm off on a deserted island. He's just off on a little stone in the water saying, you know, I could finish the album, but why the fuck would I do that? Yeah. And he's just naked because, you know, they sold all their clothes to buy drugs and crack on Barbados. Yeah. And he's just standing there naked on a on a rock out in the water.
1: Yep. Nice little wide shot.
0: Just And it also does like a reverse backing up. Thing as well. Yeah, it does
1: this. Yeah, it does this weird thing where it. Yeah. What
0: is it in film terms?
1: I don't know. Like it's kind of like a filmic double take thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of what it does. It's the easiest way to describe. Just it. him
0: standing out there, in the buff,
1: swiveling, swiveling in the buff. swiveling, swiveling by the power of editing, he will swivel, which is what he does.
0: I so. had a mini heart attack when I was looking up Danny Cunningham because his first film credit. Not the first one he probably ever did, but on his, you know, IMDb or on Letterboxd or whatever, is A Little Shop of Horrors, mm-hmm. which is my childhood favorite movie of all time. I could probably say every single line and musical note of Little Shop of Horrors to you right now. Like all just, right.
1: Yeah. I mean, we don't need to hear that. We anyway. don't
0: have time.
1: No. Or patience. <laughs>
0: Testing my patience. No, I'm kidding. But he was a, a doo wop street singer in Little Shop of Horrors, and I love that for him. And I love that for us. Crazy. It's weird. It's just a strange thing to me. Okay. This movie is very fun, very colorful, weird. It's kind of exactly. I don't know. There's parts of Michael Winterbottom's movies that you would expect like a bunch of weird shit like this. Yeah. But he has other kind of straightforward things. But I, I always liked how he mixes reality in a, in an interesting way where you kind of have real characters based on real people, but they're playing. It's like an alternate version of that. Yeah. You know, uh, he did it in the trip he did it in Tristram Shandy. He did it in this, where you kind of have these real p- people doing an alternate versions of themselves. And I think that's always well, really It's kind of like
1: um, Nicholas Rogue that way. There's a film called, I think it's called Insignificance, I think it is. Or is it Performance? Maybe might be Performance, where, um, I think is it Mick Jagger plays himself, but there's also a movie that he made where Albert Einstein and Marilyn Monroe also share a scene as well and they're just kind of like wild out there versions of their their real life counterparts
0: i want i don't i've never heard of that yeah that sounds fun
1: yeah i i saw those films when i was i was maybe like 18 or something so
0: film school boy
1: i have performance on dvd if you want to watch it
0: Mick jagger could have been in so many different weird things that just didn't work out wasn't he supposed to be in Fitzcaraldo?
1: Um, yes, he was. He was
0: supposed to be, in, and I think they filmed a bunch of it, but then the main actor got sick. Anyway. Yeah. Wasn't he also supposed to be in Dune? In Jodorowsky's Dune? Mick Jagger?
1: Yeah. I anyway. mean, nobody likes Jodorowsky anyway. He's kind of a bit of a... Really? A pest. Yeah. Well, because of all the rape. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you not remember any of that? Oh, right. Anyway. <laughs> dear a fucking plane like circling overhead it's been going on for the last like hour it's been happening since you started the podcast Uh. and it's just been circling around the fucking house crop dusting everybody
0: why is this one episode where i get to stop talk about steve coogan cursed the dog won't be quiet there's a plane doing wheelies in the sky
1: so here we are (laughs) (laughs) ratings
0: um, for visibility and context for me, I'm gonna jump in. I gave it a a three and a half. I I don't know why it's kind of middle of the road. Um it is quite casual, so maybe it's more of a four, which I think is it's It's a weird bit of casual nudity where you just wouldn't expect it. It's also kind of fun because it's a porky pig situation. Yeah. Which you don't get too often in real life, you know? No. Me um so, you know, it's
1: weirdly uncomfortable being in a porky pig sort of situation. Like I've never like if I've been in the midst of taking my clothes off and I do my bottoms first, I don't feel right having my top on, but having no bottoms on. It feels odd.
0: It's underwear and a top is OK, but when you it just doesn't seem like that's the order of things, how you would take clothes off. Yeah, you're top down.
1: Yes, that's usually because usually I go bottom up.
0: Well, so you're very familiar with a porky pig.
1: No, as in like when I dress myself, I go bottom up.
0: Yeah, but then when you take them off, you go top I down. I go top down. Yeah, yeah. Interesting.
1: But sometimes that when I sense. do it, when I do it out order, it makes me feel weird. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Huh.
1: Just feels kind of odd.
0: Well. This guy didn't feel odd about it at all.
1: No. And I'd I'd probably second that. I'd probably give it like a three. Um, Yeah. It is casual and it's very, it is very unexpected. But for the level of like carnage, it's kind of like the least weird thing about the whole thing because they're, you know, they're taking drugs there. You know, there's, there's half naked women running around the bus. There's porn on the TV. Like it's not, you know, it's, it's very much within context of what's going on here.
0: There's definitely more female nudity than male nudity, but it's it's not as bad as some other films out there. You know, no. at least because you have two instances of male nudity of two different people in completely different scenarios. Yes. So, I don't know, and they're not sexual. No. Either. So No.
1: No, they're not really at all. Um and certainly kind of moving on to the I guess the quip the uh, the misadventures of Ryderson Crusoe. So, you got that right that time. Um, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's just it's what it is. It's like probably, it'll be less than a three probably yeah. for that. It'd be like maybe a two.
0: Because it's very far away, and we very didn't even away. realize that it, was, it, it hadn't crossed the radar. The only one I had remembered was the bus nudity. Yeah. So, this one we were both watching, go, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, there it is. Oh, look at
0: that. Yeah.
1: So it's all like it's all contextual, like it makes sense that they're there. Um, but certainly
0: the second one's definitely for laughs,
1: it's a quip, yeah. It certainly when that title comes up and stuff like that, it's not meant to be taken seriously. So
0: I'm interested to see what you rated the film because this is a a very close to your heart type of movie. I gave it a four, I think it's very good. (laughs) If I were to elaborate, I think that everyone is so good in it and so memorable. Steve Coogan is always wonderful. I love him. He's great. We're going to go yeah. see him later this year. I am very excited.
1: He's he's good in this movie. In real life. Movie. Yeah, he's really good in the film.
0: He's good in all the things. And yeah. he's always, he. you know, this blossomed a beautiful relationship between he and Michael Winterbottom where they got to do a bunch, like eight projects at least together. I don't think they're doing any more trips, um, unfortunately, because they did four so far and they're all pretty fun. But I think that's really cool. Also, Rob Brydon, you know, like that that relationship also turned into really fun things because they've done a bunch of stuff together as well. Yeah, so. Rob
1: Brydon's in it for, for a couple of sequences. He's great. Yeah, he's good. Um. Yeah, no, I gave the film a five because I've always really liked this film. Like it's been a kind of, um, I like the fact that it's weird. I think I find it stranger that, you know, I don't expect that, because there's interviews and stuff with Michael Winterbottom and like what he's interested in in terms of like films and things like that. So he's very much kind of into realism and realistic, you know, realistic things. And there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's quite, wild and a little bit madcap in certain ways. Like certainly for someone who doesn't have a preoccupation with style, this film is incredibly stylish. And I think the thing that sets it apart a little bit is the fact that it is stylish. And I think films of this time, certainly British independent films, they're kind of flooded full with a bit of style. So, you know, I kind of clash a little bit with that. But I've always enjoyed this because I've always enjoyed the this story and i think the story is told particularly well um so yeah i gave it i gave it five because it always puts a smile on my face and i'm never bored watching this movie so
0: what do you like patty considine chasing steve coogan around and he's pushing good him yeah he's
1: he's good and i mean he calls him a cunt like no less than a hundred times yeah you know so he has I great, a,
0: all of his glasses are really good too
1: they are yeah he does he has great fashion yeah he's got some fantastic vocals.
0: <laughs> it's really fun it's a really good movie so it's it's nice great
1: <laughs> it's nice
0: i like it very much
1: yeah well there you go
0: so thanks y'all if you wanted to know who won the palm Dor in uh that year it was the pianist
1: great that it was
0: nominated against
1: another so. another romantic holocaust movie um yeah, another one of those. Um yeah, okay. Well, that's a shame.
0: That it didn't win?
1: Well, the 24-hour party people didn't win? Yeah. I mean, it's not really because like the the it's not like the film diminishes in value if it doesn't win anything. Very true. Yeah, very true.
0: Well, thank you for going on this journey with me. I'm glad that we got to talk about uh 24-hour peepees
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a riot. It's been a riot. I was trying to think of something else to say because, like, I had a bunch of quotes down here, but I-, I think I said them all. Anyway.
0: Yeah, you. Yeah, you. We've done it.
1: We did it. Yeah, we did it. High five. Um, yeah, I'm too big for podcast. Because I'm a big boy.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I get it. Uh, yeah. coming to you from the hacienda. She just
1: confirmed me. I was fat.
0: Well, no, you were doing the joke about Amy yeah, Circus's right character. Yeah, let's
1: just wrap this up. Let's go.
0: I did it already. Coming to you from the Hacienda, obviously.
1: Yay. I have been Laura. I've been Mick Hagnall.
0: Adios. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> that was it, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Why? Shut the fuck up.
2: We love you.